0: Hello everyone, it's good to be here with you this evening. I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, and we will read verses 1 through 10. Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy on us. Thank you that you have the opportunity to dive on your word today, this evening. Let us focus, drive our attention, drive our eyes to your word. Speak to us through your word today. And please be with us this evening. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. This is a very famous passage of the New Testament, and personally, one of my favorites to study. It is a passage of hope, a passage where we see God's mercy and love on sinful human beings. As I was preparing for this sermon today, I once again marveled at the amazing love of our Heavenly Father and the saving power of the Gospel. Maybe many of you this evening have a burden in your heart about a person that has not yet become a believer? A friend, a neighbor, a kid, a grandkid, or someone really close to you that has not yet accepted Christ as their Savior? Our today's passage is teaching us that God's grace and the power of the gospel is stronger than any unbelief and is able to convert even the toughest heart. We will focus on three main points, or three phases, if you would, that we go through in our life in a relationship with Christ. The first one will be that apart from Christ, we will see that we were spiritually dead. Secondly, with Christ, we become spiritually alive. And thirdly, that in Christ, we are created for good works, that God has prepared for us. So let's begin with the first phase, that apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead. In the first three verses, Paul describes our pre-Christian past, what the life of a person who is away from Christ looks like. He's describing the condition of every person from the moment they are born until their conversion we could say that it is a spiritual diagnosis of our sinful nature. Augustine, in his Confessions, is describing an incident where he and his friends were stealing fruits from one of his neighbor's garden. And he's saying that he did not steal because he was hungry or in need. And as he writes, he simply enjoyed the act of doing something wrong for its own sake. After the fall of Adam, this is the nature of man. For those of you who have raised children, probably you had experience like when you ask your young kid, who broke the plate? And even if you knew that the kid had done it, you still ask the question, who broke this plate? And And the kid trying to cover his own guilt and sin says, my sister did it, or the dog did it but certainly I didn't do it, right? Who taught that kid to lie? The Bible teaches us that this is our condition before Christ, before Christ came into our lives. We were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. In these ten verses that we just read, we see Paul repeating this two times in verses 1 and 4. He didn't want the Ephesians to miss the point, and neither should we miss this point today. Only when we fully realize how hard, how bad the situation was for us, only then we will be able to understand the size of the grace of God on us. Paul chose this word, dead, because it describes in the best way the impossibility of an unbeliever to change his own condition. A dead person cannot move, cannot hear, cannot speak, he cannot react, react, cannot do anything, let alone come back to life. Just as a dead body cannot revive itself, neither can an unbeliever do anything to change his condition. But think about this for a moment. This is the complete opposite of 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 what the world is teaching us today, isn't it? The world is teaching that we are basically good people, that we are not born evil. Back in Greece, that's where I come from with my wife, Frida, I have many people who would say, I am a good person. I have never killed someone, I never stole anything. I try my best to be a good person. Or something like, Maybe I'm not perfect, but certainly I'm not bad. But this is not what Paul is saying to us here. This is not what the Bible teaches. I have a very close friend of mine. He's like a brother to me. We're about the same age, some months difference. We grew together in the same church, every week listening to the same sermons, going to the same Christian groups, to the same Christian camps, to the same youth groups. From the beginning of our lives, we both heard the gospel preached to us clearly so many times. Yet, when my friend was around 20 years old, he started stating that God does not exist. He's now declaring to be an atheist. Every time we speak about God, he just cannot see how much in need he is for a savior. It is easier for him to believe that everything is just a matter of chances and that there is not a creator who created anything, everything. His heart right now is hard for the things of God and the gospel. His condition is exactly what we see in the first three verses. And before our conversion, we were following three evil verse, forces, as we see in verses 2 and 3. We We're following the world, We see in verse 2 following the course of this world. We're following Satan. Verse 2 again following the prince of the power of the air. And verse 3, we're following our own sinful sinful desires. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. In Galatians Galatians 5.17, Paul is speaking about the desires... Is saying, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And then continues by giving a list of sins like sexual immorality, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and more. So Paul is saying all of that to conclude at the end of verse 3, that we were, by nature, children of wrath. So Paul, in these first three verses, is trying to draw our attention to realize how serious things are. So how do you feel right now? Sad? Angry, maybe? Desperate? As humans, we don't like to to listen to these kind of things, isn't it? If we ask the average person in our neighborhood What he believes about sin, and where sin leads to, what do you think the answer will be? Paul here is not going easy on us. These are hard things to hear. He wants us to fully realize what our condition would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. We need to see the depth of our depravity in order to realize how great the mercy of God is on us. The result of sin is that we were lifeless, hopeless, and deserve condemnation. But praise God because the story does not end there. In verse 4, we have the two most significant words of the whole passage that make all the difference. But God. If you take only one thing from this sermon this evening, take with you these two words. But God. These two words are maybe the most significant words of the whole Bible. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous preacher, made a whole sermon just on these two words and said, These two words, but God, in and of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole of the gospel. They tell us what God has done and how he has intervened in what would otherwise be a hopeless situation. Which leads us to our second point, that with Christ, we are spiritually alive. Do you see the contrast that we have here? Paul is changing gears. From the hopeless dead condition of our fallen humanity, now we are alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Notice the word when, here in verse 5. When we were dead. It is not like we first asked God to do something. or Or we were doing well on our own. God is taking the initiative and comes to us. And he gives us life. He gives us life and he's opening our eyes to be able to see what he has done for us out of his love. He's opening our eyes to believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord who came down to earth, died on a cross, and after after three days he rose from the dead. God is making us alive. And not only that, look at verse 6. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is amazing. We were dead, enslaved to our sinful nature, and deserved condemnation. And now, by God's grace, we are alive, free, and enthroned with Jesus Christ. But think with me, why did God do it? Has it anything to do with us? Was it because we were good? Was it because we deserved something? Was it because of our merits? No. It has nothing to do with what we did or did not do. It is his own character that prompted him to save us. Paul is using four groups of words to describe why God acted in this way, and all four of them have to do with God, and not with us. It is his mercy, his great love, his rich grace and his kindness to us in Jesus. And what happens because of his mercy, love, grace and kindness is that we become alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5:17 Paul is saying if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Christianity is not about becoming a better person. Christianity, our faith in Christ, is about becoming a new person. Recently, I read a story about George Whitfield. For those of you who do not know this name, George Whitfield was a well-known preacher, an evangelist living in the 18th century, and the story is that one Sunday morning uh, George Whitfield was preaching, as he would normally do, and a man filled his pockets, another man filled his pockets with rocks, and came to hear the sermon with the purpose of attacking Whitfield at the end of the service. When the sermon ended, the man with the rocks walked to the preacher emptied his pockets in front of him and said, I came to hear you with my pocket full of stones to break your head, but your sermon got the better of me and broke my heart. This is what the power of the gospel is doing. God gave a new life to this angry person and changed his heart. He was coming to the sermon to attack the preacher, and he left with a new identity in Christ. Christ because the word of God touched him and changed his heart. This is what he has done. This is what God has done in my life. And this is what he has done in your life, if you are a believer today. And I have hope because I know that God can do the same thing in the life of my friend, even though he's denying and rejecting him right now. And I'm absolutely sure that he can do the same thing in the life of the person that you have a burden today, that he's away from Christ. This is why we should not stop praying for people to get to know Christ. We should not stop sharing the gospel, sharing the truths of the Bible with people around us. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul, and of spirit, descending the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, we saw that apart from Christ, we're dead in our sins. We saw that with Christ, we become spiritually alive. What is next? How is our life different as we live these truths today? Our third and final point is that in Christ, We are created for good works that God has prepared for us. Let's read verses 8 to 10 again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul highlights God's grace once again. It is not something that we do, it is but something that God does, as we said earlier. We're saved by grace through faith, yes. Both salvation and faith are a gift from God and not a result of our works. This is not something that we give to God but something that God provides to us. Our salvation from beginning to the end is a gift from God. So there is no no room for boasting. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 we read, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So Paul here is making it clear that we are not saved by our efforts. At the same time, though, he's also saying that works are important in our spiritual lives. Works might not be the reason of our salvation, but they are the fruit of our salvation. God desires for us to live a life that produces good fruit. God is working in our lives, and we can be useful tools in his hands to also work through us and be a blessing to others. God has prepared good works for us to walk in them. As we live our lives holding His hand and trusting His promises, He will always be. Walking. We will always be walking to what He has prepared for us. Looking back at my own life, I can see all the footprints that God had prepared for me to walk in. So many different circumstances that led to my conversion, that led, that, that led me to see Him, to see how much of a need I am of a Savior. So many different things that, to show me that, he, that He's calling me to His ministry. How he, opens in a, how he opened, in a miraculous way, the doors for me and my wife to be here in the States and study in RTS, God's Word. So many things that I could not have even imagined years ago. Yet, God knew because he had already prepared that for me and my wife. And he has prepared good works for you. And he wants you to trust him and walk with him and for him in this life. Living our life for God is the best life we can live. From the trespasses and sins that we were walking before God, now we walk in the good works that he has prepared for us. Brothers and sisters, do we recognize the amazing grace that God has given us because of his love? Do we believe that God has prepared good works for us to walk in them? Do we trust that his plan for our lives is way better than any other plan that we may have thought of. So these three, we see that before Christ came to us, we were spiritually dead. With him, we become spiritually, spiritually alive, and we can walk to the good works that he has prepared for us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the richness of your word. Thank you for your amazing love on us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you because you are taking the initiative, coming to us in our deadness, in this condition, and you give us life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you make us alive and you make us sit in the heavenly places with Christ. Thank you, Father so much for all the works that you have prepared for us, all the good works. You are a good father who who has good works for us, so thank you so much. Please let us be faithful to you and trust you as we walk to whatever you call us and whatever you have prepared for us. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for every person in this room. Let us be people who trust you and live our lives for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.